We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hey, cheaters, and welcome to the Always Cheating Podcast. My name is Josh. I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? Pretty good, Josh. I'm feeling ready to get to work. We were talking just yep. before we hit record. You know, international break, you have a tendency to switch your FPL brain off a little bit. Yep. Maybe you want to recharge the battery. But we come into this podcast ready to work for Game Week 8. Yep. Yeah, exactly. The like act of getting the podcast together was the act of like me retraining my brain. I mean, it's, you know, part of it is that sports are just interesting again across the board. Uh, that that's new. I felt like last year it was it was all I could do to to follow the Premier League. Right. It was even even that like you know, there were no fans in the stands. It was kind of a 60 percent of the experience, maybe less. Um, and I, I couldn't really watch anything else. I, I never really yeah. got into the NBA in the bubble. I never got into, you know, college football without any fans in the stands. Like, what's the point of even playing college sports without fans, without like college students there? Right. It just feels kind of a year of a year ago. The best sport was just tracking uh, COVID rates and <laughs> yeah, vaccination exactly. availability. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly right. So now it's like you can take a week off from from the Premier League and FPL and. The international matches were good. The, the Major League Baseball playoffs started. College football was awesome yesterday. So there was a lot of fun stuff. To, and, and, you know, along with, like, things that don't involve sports, right? I should, I should like, nod at that stuff, too. But, <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> but primarily coming back this Saturday, I cannot wait. I, I'm really excited about it. I think I've already – I told you uh, – on the last, I, the last time you and I talked, but yeah. uh, my wife is going out of town this upcoming weekend, so it's yeah. gonna be me and the uh, five-year-old. So yeah. night before, we've got this this plan. There's like an outdoor movie. We're gonna do all kinds of stuff together. Uh, Thursday night, I've, I've got plans for us too. Saturday night, I've got plans. But that Saturday morning, Brandon, that is that is my my child's chance to watch as much iPad as they can, as they can cram in because <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to be focused on Game of Gate. We're both going to recover. We might even go to like separate areas of our apartment, you know, like, like yeah. maybe they'll, they'll go up front. I'll be in the back. We're just going to have a few hours to like decompress a little bit and I'm going to get into <laughs> Game of Gate. So yeah. It's I, all really about the screen time. It. It's about the screen time for the kids <laughs> and the parents. I, yeah. I mean, I, after, after a week away from FPL, you, you just like, you're waiting for that Saturday to totally. come and, uh, and you can get too amped up I, I don't know about you i mean sometimes the the first match after national break you know like uh, that then that match uh is, is gonna be watford playing um uh, liverpool, liverpool yeah. i don't know why i, I guess it's said watford first because it's the home <laughs> team uh but liverpool the most importantly will be in that match and a lot of us are captaining Salah. so yeah two weeks off and then going right into a captain yeah. that is that is some high pre- pressure stuff my friend that is uh, maybe a little yeah. too high pressure yeah, it can be because uh, po- uh, game weeks immediately following international breaks do have a tendency to be uh, damp squibs, I think is, is the phrase. Um, 
And, you know, for all, for all many purposes, you get some players who come back late and can't play. So sometimes it's not like a fully fit starting 11, which we'll talk about, Josh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, or sometimes players are just a little bit jaded or exhausted coming back from all that travel. So uh, it's hard. It, these are the weeks that are really hard to predict. Which makes it even further complicated for many managers out there who have played their wild card and taken advantage of these two weeks with the international break to rejigger their squads, uh, maybe play some uh, of the uh, price uh, player price value game. So I think we we need to talk a little bit about game week eight wild card strategies here. Yeah, somebody had a comment. I I didn't include in the running order, but I'm I'm thinking about it now. about he was like whoever said it was a good idea to wildcard during a national break. And he was like, it's so stressful. Every single player <laughs> in my squad has a like seventy five percent possible injury, and I just sort of wait two weeks to see what happens with them. Yeah. And that, that there is a little truth to that, and I, I think there, you know. So this podcast is going to be about uh, planning for game weeks eight through eleven, right? So um, looking at you know focus on game week eight, obviously because it's the one right in front of us. But I think, and I talked about this a little bit on last week's pod, that it is very useful in my opinion, to look at the season, especially the first half of the season in, in fantasy or the Premier League in general. Uh, I wonder if managers do this. I'm not sure if they do or not, but to sort of think about it in four-week blocks, right? You have, yeah. um, you know, the, the or three or four weeks, kind of, in this case, you know, you had three weeks of international break, um, and then we had game weeks uh, four through seven international break. Now we're going to have game weeks eight through 11, and then the third international break of the year, right? So you can... I, I don't see a ton of value in thinking five or six weeks ahead in that case, right? Because you're going to have that two-week block. You're going to have all the injuries that you typically have or the fake injuries, what, whatever. So when you're planning on your wild card right now, when you're thinking about the transfers you want to make right now, try to think about it in a, in a four-week block. And I think that stops you from being really short-term in your thinking, and it also stops you from being a little too long-term in your thinking. And maybe worrying a little too much about stuff that's just a little too far away for you know, for it to be um, on your radar. So that that is the theme of this week's pod. And um, there's a lot of wild-card questions, which, of course, we're going to cover on the pod as well. Uh, I did want to catch up a little bit on week one of the national break, though. Uh, and I'm just going to run through a couple of things here, Brandon. You can tell me tell me if you think it's uh, mm. a real worry or not. Okay, okay? Sure. So the let's let's think, let's say um, real, not real. Okay, we'll just, <laughs> okay. We'll just, just that one word or two words. Okay, uh-huh. Lukaku home with muscle fatigue, not real. Rudiger back problem, not real. Varane thigh injury, real. I think so too. Joda hasn't trained due to muscle problems. Probably not real. I'm. I think I'm. I might. I might say real on that one. I think okay. that one's a little closer. Tell me why. Um, just the fact that he hasn't trained at all. Like he's. I think he because he traveled with the. Like he traveled to the to Portugal. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. the fact that he hasn't trained there, but he went. He went there. I feel like if it was fake, he would have just stayed with Liverpool. Right. Yeah. And he wouldn't have traveled at all. So that's that's why I think it might be more yeah. likely to be real. Yeah. And, and just to clarify, and Lukaku, Belgium's follow up match was a third place Nations League match. Yep. And no one cares about that. It wasn't really yep. even no real World Cup. Uh, um, he scored a great goal in the, the first one and, he, and a second he, goal, too, that got chalked off. <laughs> He did his piece, and Rudiger, Germany, was playing North, Northern Macedonia in their second qualifier this week. And even though Macedonia, Northern Macedonia, I should say, is second in their group, uh, either it's an easy win or Ger- Germany will finish top of their group. That is not a problem. Yeah. And if Rudiger feels like he needs to do his thing to get fit and ready for um, 
kind of a disappointing uh, performance. Chelsea really need to get their mojo back. So I, I think that yep. might be top of Rudiger's mind there. Yeah, I wonder about that too. And possibly the same with Lukaku, right? So I, I think yeah. I think you're right there. I agree with all of the assessments. I mean, Taylor Sturtz asked, do we need to worry about Nations League injuries? And he put injuries in quotation marks. And I mean, you've got to worry about them in the sense that you... It's even trickier in a wild card because, you know, if Lukaku is injured, uh, even even to the extent that he might miss like two game weeks, that means you don't wild card him in, right? Yeah. Because uh, you could just bring him in later. If it's a kind of fake injury and he'll be fine. Then they play Brentford and Norwich in their next two matches, right? You would certainly want to have him in your squad. So while wild carding during an international break, the advantage is if any injuries happen during the break, you can take that into consideration and not to fit them into your squad. But the added challenge is, yeah, deciding which ones are, are true or false. And you'll know that uh, when only when really the team sheet come out but i think we yep. will actually learn a lot from the press conferences if, if i know anything yeah. about uh club managers is they uh really like to um yeah, be super <laughs> forthright and <laughs> reveal all details <laughs> o- only bielsa right he's the only one who does it and uh yeah. even he I, in his case i'm like maybe you shouldn't be revealing so yeah. much man. Like, but I, 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 I don't think club managers though have much respect for international uh play just for how much it impacts and and distracts yeah. from what they're trying to do. So I yeah. I would feel somewhat confident that managers will be liable to reveal um, injury news about these players who are coming back from interna- international duty because, yeah. um, you know, if, if it's a fake injury for Rudiger, I mean, Tuchel doesn't care if he blows up Germany's spot. Yeah, I... I, I don't really, uh, yeah, especially because Germany just didn't need him, right? And right. so it's kind of, yeah, it feels less less important than if it was like a, a Ireland, you know, and a couple of crucial matches to, to qualify for the World Cup or whatever. Um, so, okay, I think we've covered the, the the significant injuries. There's some other ones that are, that are a little more minor that I just didn't think were serious enough to talk about in the pod. Uh, the other question, which we didn't talk about too much on last week's pod, I think because we were still waiting for a little more clarity, um, so they did change the, you know, the red zone rules. And if you are fully vaccinated, then you can travel to, um, for example, some of the South American countries and play there and then come back and basically play right away. I think you have to like, you know, you like come back and you can basically like just get shuttled to yeah. the matches and back. Like you're like a weird prisoner, like, like a prisoner's only allowed to play football. It's like a, <laughs> you're tra- like, traveling yeah. like um, uh, Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs, just yeah, all exactly. strapped up with yeah. a face mask on. They're still making like a hundred thousand pounds a week, so it's like they're fine, you know. But it is, it is a weird, is a weird experience. Yeah, it it does. <laughs> it's just yeah, it's got a little, uh, it's got a weird vibe to it. Um, so there are a number, number of players, another, a number of South American players play thirty six hours before game week eight. Uh, Emmy Martinez, uh, Rafinha, perhaps most importantly, yeah. uh, Gabriel Jesus, Ederson, and Tiago Silva. I mentioned Tiago Silva just because if he can't play, that probably affects players like Rudiger, Christensen as well. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I'll also note that Antonio didn't link up with Jamaica. So that is at least one fewer <laughs> worry. I love how have. you describe yeah. it as he didn't link up with them. It was sort of like Jamaica was like, hey, Antonio, so we're going to meet. We're all going to meet up at the bar later. <laughs> 
later tonight, right? And Antonio's like, totally, I will see you there. And then for whatever, the like next the, day, he's like, our yeah. wires got crossed. I, he, was, I was, he was sending like the running five minutes late text, right? Like, I'll yeah. be mm-hmm. right there. Bad mm-hmm. traffic. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't show. Uh, so I think... I think Emmy Martinez probably plays because uh, he has already missed one match this season. I mean, I, I guess I don't know. I mean, you know, it's not like they're just coming. It's a little in America. Like we basically know every player that's been vaccinated or not. Right. It's like, yeah. first of all, if they haven't been vaccinated, they probably like go on Twitter to tell you why you shouldn't be. Right. <laughs> sure. It's like, it's yeah. a weird, yeah. yeah, it's a lot of aggression there. But I think uh, with, with, in the premier league, it feels a little more, um, uh, they, they, the, the privacy has been, um, people have been extended a lot more privacy there, but the, yeah. sort of so, uh, we have heard that Leeds is some, something close to fully vaccinated kind of across the board. So we know with a lot of confidence that Rafinha can play. There was a report came out this week that, that Leeds fully expect Rafinha to play. Now uh, they play away to Southampton in game week eight. Tricky enough match that you would think he'd want to play. I mean, it's not like Leeds are in a position where they can really, you know, uh, pass up any opportunity for, for points. Yeah. Um, Ederson, I could see him not playing, possibly. Um, Tiago Silva probably won't play either. Um, Gabriel Jesus, I mean, it, it doesn't really matter for Man City's purposes. So that's it, it could matter in a sense, that, like if you were, if you were you know, considering bringing in a Foden or Ferran Torres or something like that, maybe it makes you a little more likely just because you probably will get them for, for game week eight um, at home to Burnley. Yep. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, is there anything else you want to, any thoughts on the South American player situation? No, not really. And I, I think you summarized it pretty well. And I, it's just one of those uh, Instagram things too. You know, you, you can watch yeah. it. It's a, it's a very shortcut way of looking at these things, follow leads, Instagram, and they'll post the team, you know, all G'd up for the weekend's match yep. at training, and you'll just look for Rafinha to be pictured. You look for Emmy to be pictured, et cetera. So that's that's one thing that the people use as, as a shortcut there. But yeah, yeah. I, I the one that concerns me the most, as you said, is Rafinha because I think he's the most yeah. highly owned of of all of them here, and it's just kind of fortunate that he seems to be the one that um, is most nailed on to return and play in game week eight. That's what we think. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about like a 26 year old super athlete, right? Like it's in, in, in theory, there's no reason why, I mean, unless he played 90, 90 plus minutes on Thursday and his flight was horribly delayed and he didn't get it into late Friday evening or something like that. Like it seems totally plausible to me that he could play on Thursday and then play again on Saturday. And just that, that not, it would not be a major issue. But um, again, Bielsa thankfully is one of the more forthright managers out there. So we should know going into the weekend, whether Rafinha will play or not. And to me, he's, he just represents such good value that even if he doesn't play, he's just a, a bench player. Like, he's not a player that I would um, consider dropping, right? Yeah. Because I still love him long-term. I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast, but his recent interview in the Players' Tribune where he was talking about uh, kind of coming up as an amateur footballer in Brazil and just basically how you had to be tough as nails to go into certain neighborhoods where there were actual professional scouts looking to give contracts and it became a life or death sort of a thing. Like of all the players that we're talking Mm -hmm. about here, Rafinha seems to be the one that is cut from – from yep. a piece of granite, uh, and he can take it. Now, that's like you and I coming up to the podcast ranks, right? I mean, Absolutely. Just like we're, we're cut from from audio granite now, and I think that's really, you know, so we, I, we, I, I think we really identify with him. <laughs> yeah. uh, the 26-year-old super athlete thing, too, for sure. Um, a couple other notes. Uh, Ranieri in for Munez at Watford. 
my I don't have any tactical thoughts on this. As far as I know, there hasn't really been anything that's that's kind of come out yet about what he might change. I mean, you know, what, what was he playing? I guess he was playing more of like a kind of a four four two style or four four one one kind of right with 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 uh, with Lester. I mean, you know, he, I know he was the Fulham manager unsuccessfully. Uh, well, a, yeah, he Ranieri prefers a counterattacking style, and if you just look back at his tenure at Fulham, he came into a club where their culture was balls on the floor, keep possession, play out from the back. And the style was not a good match on top of the fact that Fulham's squad was an absolute mess that yeah. season. Yeah. Now, so you, what will be proven, I think, or at least what we'll know more about with Ranieri, Ranieri is when he gets to Watford, was Leicester really just the perfect right place, right time, perfect marriage of manager and tactics and squad? Yeah. Um, but Watford seemed to me better suited than Fulham in 2018-19 to play a counterattacking style. I mean, they've got um, some studs and, and Saar and King. And, yeah, Saar seems and, like very well suited to counter. In fact, mm-hmm. I, they they have already scored goals, you know, a, a couple of nice goals in the counterattack this season. Yeah. So, yeah, I th- that's a good point. I think that probably the, the – I think Emmanuel Dennis would be the one I might worry about. He is, interestingly enough – did you know that he's on four yellow cards already? <laughs> four, four and seven. That's a lot. Yeah, that that's uh, it's like Romeo territory in, in Southampton. Yeah. So he is, and and if you if you remove game week one, he is he's scored one goal uh, in the last six matches and has four yellow cards in those six matches. So I think that that would be the one f like immediate FPL takeaway is you know if there's a kind of shakeup in the front line, he might be a, the kind of less informed player who might get dropped. I mean, like they're not doing super hot to start the season. You you know anyone's spot might be kind of at risk. I don't see SARS being at risk. I, I think that he should be fine. Um, yeah. just cause he's, 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 I mean, he's clearly the best player. Um, and I mean, we'll see that their run is, is not great. I mean, they love Liverpool at home. I don't mind that one. Um, just for, you know, again, first semester in the national break, I would not seen like a ton of clean sheets. I don't think, I mean, I think, I think it's like you said earlier, it can get a little sloppy. Yeah. Um, those, those, those first matches out. So, uh, I mean, last, last year, I remember, uh, Liverpool and Everton playing a really sloppy first match out of the international break. Um, I think it was a three, two match. That was the, that was actually the one where Van Dyke um, picked up his injury. Um, oh, God. yeah, well, so, that's, that's where it all went wrong for, for me and my fantasy team as well. <laughs> yeah. And then they play, uh, Everton away in game week nine and Southampton at home in game week 10. So I think those three matches will give us a sense um, of where we are with, with Randy Yard. I'm certainly going to keep, I, my plan right now at least is to keep Sar through game week 10. And then let's, let's see where we're after that. It's, it gets pretty bad after that. I mean, when Man United, Leicester, Chelsea and Man City are a, are a block, basically that's like the, um, the Thanksgiving stretch block there like mid-november to early december so let's 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 give him a chance let's see let's see how he does and then the final piece of news which you and i covered extensively on the patreon pod uh so i don't want to go through it all again right now but the newcastle takeover any thoughts any any thoughts you did not express to me uh three days ago brandon that you want to express uh, to everybody listening i mean i guess we didn't mention jamal khashoggi on our patreon podcast so I'll just say his name and um, that's really all I have to say about it. It's yeah, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird situation. Um, I mean, you know, I, I, my feeling is, is that 
like these guys are all bad, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it does not excuse anybody, but it's like, it, it gets a little hair splitting sometimes when you're like, who's more bad than the other bad person, you know? And there's, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of bad to go around. And, um, that does not mean we should not pay attention to it. But, but anyway, I think, uh, if I were to flip it around, I think, and just, if you can remove the kind of moral part of it, uh, then I think that it's, uh, it's gonna be very interesting and, and very exciting. I mean, I think, I think if you're a Newcastle fan, um, because, uh, I mean, we could, there, they have a massive stadium, right? Massive home field advantage. Um, great, great fan base. Um, it's kind of they, like occupy a, a spot like sort of geographically where they could really, you know, be, be a big club. And so I, I think it's, I think it's really exciting and interesting. And, um, you, so you sort of hope Sunderland comes back up now too, cause it'd be fun to have that, that rivalry, you know, back again. Oh God, they have a long road to hoe there to, to, um, get back there. And I think that's what is most interesting to me about the possible evolution of Newcastle here is how long will it take? this ownership group to take Newcastle up those many levels. How many are they, are they going to look to build new facilities? Like St. James's park is grand and historic and all that, but um, it's old. I I do. Are these guys going to want to build like some sort of like jewel uh, in the North of England to to compete with the white heart lane and the Etihad and and the Emirates and so on. Is it, is it going to be that sort of like ego driven or will they have a respect for the area and the club as it stands? And in addition to that, like how long is it going to take to, to move in a higher caliber of player? You, I mean, right. you can joke around about Mbappe being bought. You know, he's got one year left on his PSG contract, but he's not going to Newcastle now uh, to, to start think, an experiment. It reminds me of when when Man City got taken over and they had like there were like a few players that were starting to filter. And it was like Rabinho. Remember Rabinho? Sure, Remember yeah. He played. He was there for a while. There was a lot of like kind of like. B plus kind of play. And I think that's that we might see a, a, like a, a, I'm sure they want to make a couple of marquee signings, but I don't think they'll be able to get the marqueeest. So they'll get like whatever's, whatever's a, a rung below marquee yeah. is what, is what we'll maybe they'll want to buy out Ronaldo's contract. I'm sure Manchester United could be in a position where they'd be looking to sell at the end of the <laughs> season. We'll see. Let's see where we are. He scored again for, for Portugal. I mean, I, I think um, to me, that's, that's more of an OGS issue than a Ronaldo issue personally i mean do you you think he's playing that badly no 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 yeah yeah, i don't i I don't i'm not i'm not firing shots at ronaldo i just think um it's an interest manchester united have caught ronaldo at a very interesting time in his life and also a very interesting time in the club's life and yeah um you could certainly make an argument that it is not necessarily helped the club yeah to have him there it's it's probably helped their bottom line but whether it's helped you know um the development of of some of the younger players i I I I can fully see 10 10 weeks from now uh, manchester united could be on for the title so i'll i i can see that so we've just lost like all of our fans, right? We, all, all the, uh, we lost the Chelsea fans by saying their other injuries were fake. We've lost the Newcastle fans, and now we've lost Man United. So on that note, let's 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 move into some more. Uh, well, let's F- talk about Brentford. Where are all our Brentford fans? <laughs> yeah, at? exactly. Let's do some some proper uh, FPL talk here. Um, I, I want to take a break before we do that, but I just want to say a quick thanks uh, to everyone. I mentioned Patreon earlier. Everyone who supports the podcast, it is really genuinely, sincerely appreciated. It's what it enables us to do two pods a week. The entire 
entire season. Um, and it's thanks to our Patreon. So if, if you'd like to become part of that, uh, that group and, um, you know, I always mention the Slack, but it really is just like as strong as it's ever been. Um, it's just, it's so active and, 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 and full of people who are really smart and sort of just kind of get the pod and what we're trying to do here, right? The whole make fantasy fun again, kind of approach. Yeah. So, uh, patreon.com slash always cheating is where you can go to do that. Uh, I won't mention all the, I mentioned the podcast, uh, you know, manager of the month, all that stuff. Um, but I did want to do a quick shout out to Cookie Monster, Dan Balance, and Philippe Cronenberger. Brandon, even during the slowest of slow game week one of international break, we still picked up some new yeah. Patreon supporters. So great uh, to see yeah, representative uh, representative from Sesame Street here. Yeah, uh, Cookie Monster. World. Yeah. yeah, that was really that was exciting. So maybe you know I don't maybe we'll see uh, you know Grover and Abby Cadabby you know in the next few weeks. We'll see. Dare right? to dream. Yeah, dare to dream. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll get right back and talk about game weeks 8 through 11, taking a long look at the next four weeks ahead. All right, Brian, we're back. As I mentioned at the top of the pod, thinking four weeks ahead and and kind of no more than four weeks ahead is it's, – it's like trying to like remember like – a series of random digits or something like that, right? Like it's like yeah. you can only keep so many in your head before the whole thing starts to fall apart. And for me, in my head, if I think further than four weeks ahead, I really feel like I start to lose my like sense of like how I should be planning. Like because I think there is a there's a there's a there's a certain kind of smart fantasy manager who is so focused on like like making a move that kind of sets them up through Christmas, right? Or like, yeah. or in the second half of the season, like a move that sets them up for like 10 weeks ahead that they kind of forget that like they need, they also need points like in the game week that's like directly in front of them, <laughs> right. right? And there's also a kind of manager who does the opposite, right? Which is that every transfer is just focused on the one right in front of them mm-hmm. and they're dropping players that could be very valuable the next week. And, you know, and, and, and that, that obviously comes with its own problems as well, right? And so you find that right blend, I think is, is what's important. So I just, you know, because a lot of people are on wildcard, right? Or, uh, you know, now you got me taking my articles off too. I just said on wildcard, on a wildcard right now. Um, I did want to just. I don't know why you're so opposed to that, uh, that sort of flourish. I, it feels but, grammatically wrong to me. Okay. That's, that, that's my issue with it, I guess. <laughs> uh-huh, sure. Um, so I thought one thing we could just do very quickly before we got into the questions, started talking about players and things like that, is just looking ahead at game weeks eight through 11. Yeah. I've got a couple different tickers here that way that we can that we can stro- scroll through here a little bit. I but, see them, yeah. But looking ahead at game weeks eight through eleven, which teams stand out to you as as you know, or which clubs stand out as having really strong fixtures and really weak fixtures? Just so sort of at a glance, like like what like what are you seeing that sort of you're like okay, I want to target these clubs and I want to avoid these clubs. Well, two clubs that I'll shout out. One is obvious, and I think one requires a certain degree of discussion. And these are clubs with good fixtures. And Chelsea is the immediate standout favorite. And it's not like we haven't been talking about Chelsea all season. They're in the discussion to win the league. But what we were mentioning at the start of the podcast is it feels like Chelsea is still quite trying to find their flow, especially as far as their attack goes. I don't think we have any concerns at all about Chelsea's defense, but when you're looking at investing in a player like Lukaku, how much do we actually trust that Chelsea attack and their ability to generate chances? And uh, the fixtures in the next four for them, 
Brentford away, this has become one of those standout fixtures where you're scared. Uh, Brentford has <laughs> been. Suddenly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah they, they've yeah. played so well at home, Brentford have. So is that such a great match coming out of the international break for Chelsea? Yep. Um, but then there, it's followed by Norwich at the bridge. And this is just like going to be, if if Chelsea need goals, they will get them in game week nine, followed by Newcastle and Burnley. So, you know, you take what we said about Brentford there. That is the best stretch of four fixtures of any club. And I think coming out of this break, especially if you're on wildcard, to be tripled up on Chelsea is the move. And I think think I'd go by the the obvious template of Lukaku and uh, two Chelsea defenders would be the way to go. There's no midfielders or other attackers of note, even with Timo Werner, who has, uh, you know, got some returns in game week seven. Yeah. So Chelsea is there. And the other team I'll throw at you, Josh, is Arsenal, because Arsenal just looked completely defeated at the start of the season. They turned it, they've kind of managed to turn it around both in the Premier League and in our FPL minds because Ben White has been delivering on clean sheets and bonus points. And I think here it's less, oh, get a Chelsea player because these are guaranteed fantasy returns. With Arsenal, especially in their attack, it's a slight leap of faith. I brought in Saka on my wild card and Emile Smith-Rowe is there. And these two players, while they are leaps of faith, the price is really desirable and you're not really taking on too much risk investing in a team like Arsenal. So to get Saka and Ben White, you're spending like a total of 10 million on two players who um, right now are in good form. So what do you think about Arsenal's run of fixtures here? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you know, the, the nil nil away to Brighton was sort of, um, you know, the classic, like it, it like just, undermines like a narrative that we were starting to develop. And it's like, they're just like a, they are. Okay. I guess my feeling about Arsenal is that they're mediocre and they've got a pretty good defense. Um, and so a mediocre team does not mean that they um, just slug through every single match. It means that they look good. Sometimes they look bad other times. Right. Yeah. And it sort of evens yeah. out into mediocrity. So to, I think that to be fair, yeah. we've been big upping Brighton all season and Brighton have delivered. Brighton are a good team. We were, we, we were, we were starting to small up them a little bit. We were, <laughs> I think we were moving away from a little bit. Sanchez okay. was getting okay. a little, a little frustrating uh, yeah. having Sanchez, but uh, did you, yeah, you, oh, you, yeah, you draw. Well, actually, no, you still have Sanchez as your backup keeper. The most luxury move. <laughs> yeah. Time. Yeah. That's like, that's a classic, uh, Brandon wildcard hedge of like, you know what? Well, I'll just screw it. I'll get two. I'll get two keepers. Let's, yeah. let's, yeah. let's do I it. Guess, I guess triples his best. Triples is safest, Josh. <laughs> I guess you've got a uh, 0.5 there just in case you need it. Right. It's sort of sitting there the next time you got two transfers or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think. I mean, for me, I guess I would probably go with Smith Rowe Ortegaard over Saka just because um, just because that price difference is so big. Um, and I feel like that's money that I could drop into my um, defense. Right. Like like yeah, that, that, that probably helps you upgrade from. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't quite take you from like Marcel to a Man City defender, but it gets you like right. on the way there. Right. And so mm-hmm. I, I think that uh, but I but Ben White, I mean, that he to me is like. That that would be like one of the first players on a wild card for me, absolutely. Because, again, if you just think about these things in these these four week blocks, Palace at home, Villa at home, Watford at home in three of the next four, 
think there's a really reasonable chance they have clean sheets in all three of those matches. I, you know, I think they have, they have three clean sheets in their last four overall. Uh, the one goal they conceded was, you know, an 82nd minute, uh, kind of a fairly unimportant goal, right. With that sun scored late in that match, just because, um, Arsenal were, were up three nil, um, and just sort of like, just kind of playing out the clock a little bit in that match. And so it wasn't a shocker that, that Sun scored. And so I think um, just that they've kind of found something that works. I mean, Tommy Asu, I think has really been the, the key there. Um, it just, it feels like he's protecting that right flank a little bit better. And, and then you've got this Gabriel Ben white, you know, center back duo that seems to work very well. And then that kind of frees Tierney up a little bit to, to be a little more, um, yeah, you know, rampaging. Or, yeah, I was, yeah, I, I, I feel like he's too small to be rampaging, right? <laughs> like, you know, like can you be rampaging and, and weigh ninety eight pounds? Like, I'm not, he, I'm not sure that's, that's he's possible. small in that S M O L uh, Instagram sense of it, isn't he? <laughs> he's so cute. Yeah, but, uh, exactly. But unfortunately, it means he's like Arsenal love a, a a frequently injured short guy, right? I mean, I think we finally got rid of uh, Terrera who I, who I loved, but who just was, was way too small. But I remember you talking about that, that time when we saw Arsenal play, play uh, at Craven cottage uh, in person. And yeah. we, were, we were just so worried the entire time of Terrera because <laughs> it felt like a little boy uh, had wandered on the pitch with, with, I, know. with I can't imagine what it's like to see uh, Daniel Podens play these days. It was just like uh, just yeah. a to- total nightmare for all well, the, the parents in the stands. And he's injured the whole time. And this is the problem. These, these guys are, t- I mean, and I, I'm five, eight, I, I'm not, but you know, I'm, but unfortunately I, I, you're bigger than those guys. Yeah, I, 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 I basically weigh like two <laughs> of, of either those two guys. So uh, yeah, exactly. I'm trying to work on that. But yeah, it's um, so I, what was my point here? Oh, just that I think that Arsenal have um, a really good chance of keeping three clean sheets. In OK, four. so you've, so, you've, you've yeah. talked about their defense without mentioning the big dog's name himself, Aaron Ramsdale. Um, yeah. Sure. Uh, and and I think he is one to discuss on a wild card. We're, yeah. we're talking about Arsenal for for real for with this wild card discussion. But yeah. Ramsdale at four point five seems like um, he seems like a great pick. My fear there, though, is I, I just don't know if I want to recommend to anybody out there a double up on Arsenal defense. I think Ben White at four point four is incredible value and a price Shockey point hasn't risen in price. Yeah, yet. it is wild. Yeah, it's yeah. so crazy. So I, I, I think just having Ben White frees you up to do something different with your goalkeeper, whether it's to. I'm not totally opposed to keeping Sanchez, even though you know Brighton's fixtures aren't uh, in- incredibly appealing let's see if i find 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 brighton on the the difficulty fixture here yeah. okay they've got norwich and game week eight pretty good you got sanchez start and followed by city and liverpool um oh, okay i mean do we want to talk i, I guess we'll, we'll as we start to talk i don't want to go do like full-on fixture talk here although i do think as a general rule it is it's is worth reminding people again that fixtures save players all the time in fantasy players that you have just given up on players that you are just like writing off. They are saved by fixtures again and again and again. And I am, I, I, I'm thoroughly in the fixtures over form category. Yeah. Um, there, there are certain players like Mosala who are just transcendently good and fixtures don't really matter. But in general, as we see with Lukaku, right. And Ronaldo maybe, I mean, I will, we'll see. It'll be an interesting test for Man United over the next few weeks to see if, uh, if Ronaldo is a proper, um, certainly in his career, he has been right. I mean, you don't, you don't score goals in champions league finals without being a, uh, without being sort of fixture proof. Fixture proof. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So uh, clearly, you know, I, I mean, we're talking about like one of the five best players of all time, but at 36, you know, d- you know, does, 
is he still a player that you would consider camping at home to Liverpool or Man City? Well, you're going to have your te- your chance in game weeks mm-hmm. nine and eleven to yeah. uh, to test that out. So I think you know, really interesting four weeks ahead for Man United in particular. I think that's if I were looking at the fixtures, I would be a little worried. I would certainly be trying to divest myself of any Man United defenders. Uh, Leicester away, Liverpool at home, Spurs away, Man City at home. I think that, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, Luke Shaw does offer a little bit of attacking potential. So I, I guess if you want to keep playing the Luke Shaw game, that's fine. But I think no, um, thanks. No, thanks. No, thanks to me either. I I'm out on Man United's defense. And if Iran is out, I thought he's, he was fantastic. Yeah. I thought he was playing super well. Um, uh, you know, what did what he do? It was a game week four. I think when he finally played his first match for them, he's been, I mean, it's, it's, it's just kind of a, a black mark on uh, Harry Maguire. Who's meant to be like captain leader legend at this club. And what it turned out that defense needed was an actual leader yeah. than Varane. Yeah. So there you go. Right. And he's out with a calf injury too. Right. I mean, we'll, we'll see yeah. if he plays uh, in game week eight. So yeah, you can, you can be in a situation where Ben, United don't have either one of their center backs. And so I think that if that's, Maybe that use that as the excuse you finally need to to drop Luke Shaw. I mean, the one clean sheet they kept was um, away to Wolves, and that was a very shaky clean sheet for anybody who remembers that match. So, um, but I mentioned Brendan. I, I started to say it, then I then I got distracted as I as I'm frequently fond of doing. Um, and you know, you had a wild card in game week seven. You kind of decided late to wild card. You're planning to wild card in game week eight. Yeah. So I'm just curious, you know. You play the wild card. In my experience, once I play mine, I kind of immediately regret like four <laughs> different things. So yeah. is there anything, looking at your squad game week eight and just thinking about like the last game week, is there anything you wish you would have done differently on your wild card? Um, yeah, I think most notably looking at my defense, and you've already mentioned my goalkeeper situation, which is a goalkeeper rotation, which I think generally is not always cheating recommended. I have Sanchez and Mendy, and this is this is the most craven, uh, like classically craven Brandon move of uh, I can't decide which fullback to get from this premium team, so I'll just get their goalkeeper. Whether it's Ederson, Mendy, I've certainly done the David De Gea thing through the years, and I opted to go for Mendy and Rudiger instead of Rudiger and any number of defenders. You look at game week seven, every single defender returned except mm-hmm. for Rudiger. Um, yeah, that and, was that was painful as somebody who burned eight uh, that week. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Right. so I I kind of wish I had a little bit more courage in my convictions there when doubling up on Chelsea to go for some some more um, flair uh, Chelsea defenders. But I think I do have to believe that this defense is going to earn out over time because I also went for the Manchester City double up with Diaz and Cancelo, and Cancelo ended up on zero points. Looked good, though. Yeah, he. I mean, he was all the commentators could talk about in the first half of that Liverpool match. So uh, I and and I think that was the symptom of me wildcarding a week early, and that was okay. So. Wild carders during the international break are wild carding now, A, because it's the break, and also B, this is when the fixtures turn, not just for Chelsea, but also for Manchester City. City had that Liverpool matchup, and we all knew uh, it was going to be a really tough fixture for, for both teams in game week seven. But I just felt like I had an, other problems to solve. So I don't 
regret doing that. If you look at at City's fixtures coming up, it's Burnley at home, and you better believe I'm rolling out my double Manchester City defense, and followed by Brighton and Crystal Palace also at home, and then the Manchester Derby to round out this four-week fixture window we're talking about. Um, so, yeah, again, I, looking at my full squad, I think what I like about it is the flexibility. I tried to be sure I had enough cash in my midfield across the midfield of Salah, Saka, Rafinha, Ben Rama, and Josh Brownhill. Maybe I feel like I put a little too much stock in the past returns of Ben Rama because looking at my bus team for game week eight, I've got Ben Rama on the bench. Hmm. Um, and you know, I don't know that that's exactly where I want to be with my wildcard right. team, where I'm taking one of one of my better midfielders and, and and putting him on the bench. But I'm comfortable doing so because I have Antonio up front. Are you starting Tony over Ben Rama then, Ivan Tony? Yeah, I am, and that to me is just an XG move. And XG, and I think with Tony, it's even more XA these days. If you look at Tony's stats, it's just XT. Like, it's it's all (laughs) about expected tony (laughs) expected tony uh and yeah you know i I think it's an interesting psychological experiment for all fpl managers where you're just like all right i've got a lot riding on this chelsea double up in the defense and a clean sheet would be huge for me if that clean sheet gets spoiled away at brentford who is going to be involved surely ivan tony is going to be involved so it's sort of like a I've got the cure for the illness that I could catch going into game week eight. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know, Josh, you're allergic to bee stings. You travel with an EpiPen. That's true. All, all too true. I wish you hadn't uh, revealed my my weakness to all my enemies out there. But yes, that, that's true. <laughs> so, yeah, you can't go to uh, Brentford Stadium because it's the home of the bees, Josh. It's too dangerous. Uh, yeah, but, exactly. But anyway, yeah. I feel like Tony, Ivan Tony is my EpiPen in game week eight. If, if something happens, I'll just inject him into into my heart. Um, all right. All right. I've, I've got a question for you then. Okay. This, this sort of, I, I don't know if this really ties in with your wildcard thought, but I'm, I'm going to rescue you because I feel like you could, I, I could, I could put you on a path where you spend the next 27 minutes talking about all the things you've regretted about your wildcard. Cause that's, <laughs> okay. that's, I would happily do that myself. Sometimes uh-huh. we do these, when we do those Patreon pots, sometimes we do solo ones and it's just me just talking about my regrets that's <laughs> like, like 37 mm-hmm. minutes so um let's 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 look ahead though um i because I, I i i fear that i almost trap you there um and i mean i think your team's very set up you're set up set up extremely well i mean i would love to have two man city defenders um and i, I want to talk about just kind of like instant players that anyone would pick on a wild card in just a second here but i have an interesting question from uh philippa who says i feel like i've been jumping on yesterday's trends lately who has the potential to be the next big thing in FPL this season? I think it's kind of a fun, big, big picture question. Like yeah. who's, who's going to break out, yeah. right? I mean, outside the kind of like, you know, you can't pick like most Salah here, right? Like, who, but who's, who's going to be the next big thing that hasn't really broken out yet this year? Well, I think that was what we were thinking of with Jao Cancelo and everyone. Yeah. And I'm going to say his name many different ways throughout this podcast. So just, just get a grip. Um, I think a lot of people see a Trent Alexander Arnold level uh, fantasy asset in him, like slightly different style of player than Trent, but very attacking and can move in sen- into central locations in Pep's system, especially when City are just steamrolling the opponent. And if you look at Cancelo's stats from last season, uh, he. Uh, 
it was he was just not performing up to his expected assists and is that because of you know the lack of 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 a striker at city or is it that he is just a stats merchant like a Dusan Tadic uh, mm. of sorts. Yeah. But the, the point there is the potential is there for Cancelo. And uh, I think what's different with Cancelo uh, is that he plays on a title winning team in yeah. Manchester City. Yeah. If you look at stats merchants from previous seasons, Tadic again being a good example, played for Southampton and just he was always subject to the form of the team and the team was just not a high achieving team at that particular moment when he was involved in the club and city are and city when city can carry Cancelo to um, more returns. So I think that if I'm looking for the next big thing, I'm looking for a slightly undervalued asset on a really great team. Yeah. And, and honestly, I mean, you know, I mean, there's, there's no stats merchant, you know, I guess in the most negative sense that, you know, like, I mean, six, six, 12, six, 12, that those were, those were Gonzalo's, uh, uh, returns from game weeks two through six, um, before you brought him in, Brandon, six, yeah. six, 12, six, 12. <laughs> well, but, like, that's, incredible, that's right? it, right? That's, yeah. that's the whole yesterday's points thing. And that's city is notorious for this. Mares and Fo, Fo, everyone was blown away by Foden's performance at Liverpool. Sure. But so. still, Burnley, Burnley, Brighton, yeah. Palace, the next three. I mean, it's, it's a great run. So I have to now figure out how I can get in a uh, – how I can get in one of these players. I think my my goal would be to hold my transfer this week and um, and then try to use two transfers, basically go Cancelo-less for one week and hope that um, he doesn't, like, just explode for, like, 18 points, which I think he totally could do. My, my hope is that he gets, like, a shock benching. Are there – do shock benchings even exist in the world of uh, – <laughs> in, in the world of, yeah. of Pep and, 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 and now Tuchel? There like are only benchings. There yeah, are no only, shock exactly, benchings. there's no shock benchings. But I think, you know, Cancelo is also um, just safer because of the Mendy situation, right? Just, yeah, and, 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 and Zinchenko. Zinchenko. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I don't actually know what the latest is with, with, with Zinchenko. But even, even if he's back, it's certainly not like he's going to be displacing um, Cancelo. And Cancelo, of course, is the advantage that they can play um, as a left left back or a right back. Right? I'll, so, I'll tell you the latest was Zinchenko, Josh. As of October 1st, the word was everyone is fit except Zinchenko and Gunduan. We expect both back after the international break, comma, hopefully. Okay, so maybe maybe at some point there's a little risk, but that's just true of any top team. Yeah. Any top team has a couple of quality backups that, I mean, this is the same situation with, with Chilwell and Alonso, right? Like there's, there's always going to be, you know, some competition at any of these, any of these top clubs. So, um, yeah, breakup players though. I mean, okay. So what about, there's a, a few, a few are that I think are kind of interesting. Um, Jamie Vardy, we've talked about a lot on the pod. I think that he, um, has a lot of, I mean, in some ways it's like, I'm not going to pick somebody who doesn't, who doesn't have any returns so far this season. De Bruyne to me would be the answer that I feel like people who listen, people listening right now might be like screaming out like De Bruyne, but to me, 12 million injury prone, like they don't have a forward. <laughs> I, I, I'm just like, not totally, of course they're going to score goals, but I, I just don't, to me, I, that does not feel like a great investment. Um, spending 12 million on Kevin De Bruyne, given all of his, all of his problems. And given the fact that there's kind of no easy target man for him to, to be, you know, setting crosses into. Yeah, I think the better investment is is in Manchester City's defense. We, we talked yeah. about uh, uh, Cancelo, but 
me, I've got Diaz as well. And, you know, you don't have to do everything that I do. It's certainly not going to work out for you in the long run. But, uh, you know, know, just spend $6 million on Diaz along with Cancelo instead of $12 million or whatever it is for De Bruyne. And I think your points total will be as good, if not better, than with De Bruyne. And De Bruyne will have, I, I suspect, will have a few matches this season where he's in double-digit returns. But I think for every match he has like that, he probably will have a match where he doesn't even play because he needs uh, to be rested for injury or, or um, any other reasons going into a Champions League fixture. Who knows? And Diaz yeah. is just going to be that warrior-type player who plays every match. So I just, and, and City are just going to, they're going to keep so many clean sheets. It's crazy to me that I still somehow have not had a, I, I have had a Man City player for exactly one week the entire season, and that was Gabriel Jesus at home for a nil-nil draw with Southampton, like the weirdest, uh, the weirdest match. I, I guess, I don't know, I mean, I, I guess it just happens, like you're going to draw occasionally, but um, yeah, I mean, I feel like, I feel hugely underinvested Man City right now, and I feel like that's something that... Um, you know, again, the narrative just shifts, right? I mean, going yeah. to the season, the feeling was, well, there's just, there's just too much, um, there's too much rotation. We don't really kind of know what's happening with that squad, right? This is before Grealish joined before, you know, the Kane stuff was still being talked about. And so in some ways you're like, well, I don't know. I, I want to make sure I like, leave a spot for Kane, yeah. right? Like a right. Man City spot, like, you know, just things change so quickly. And now, and now it feels very clear to me that, yeah, having like a double up there just makes a lot of sense. And, you know, yeah. the double up also makes you a little more, um, fixture or what's the word like just like a little more rotation proof yeah right because um if you have two of them yeah one might miss but it's very unlikely that like there's gonna be a match where diaz and Cancelo are both rested you know you mentioned jamie vardy as a player that and and we even copped to this a couple of weeks ago when we talked about players that we weren't talking about and we then ended up talking for 10 minutes about jamie vardy uh, but the focus of this pod is the next four game weeks. If you look at what Jamie Vardy has done, incredible return, six goals, one assist. But those goals came against Wolves, Norwich, Brighton, Burnley, and Crystal Palace. In the next four, Leicester are going up against Manchester United, Brentford, Arsenal, and Leeds. What do you make of that fixture run? Good, bad, medium? I mean, I think they're fine, right? I mean, Man United without center backs. Uh, way to Brentford. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, maybe defensively, but I'd be I'd be worried there. But for Vardy, I think there's a good chance he could score in yeah. that one. Arsenal, that's maybe that that actually could be, I think, a, a tougher fixture than a way to Leeds, which I mean, feels like that's a great fixture for Vardy. The way to Leeds. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. Okay, so we can continue uh, <laughs> dancing uh, around Vardy. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I'm still waiting for the moment where we can we can just yeah. say, yeah, we were right for not talking about this guy. Yeah, exactly. I'll throw out one more, and this one's kind of a uh, – this one's not a, the, the sexiest, most interesting pick. But uh, I actually think that we could still see Mason Mount uh, turn into a really important and viable uh, fantasy asset. He's not really – he's had a couple tough matches, battled some injuries, some match fitness stuff. Um, we're still kind of waiting for like a run where he really gets a chance to, to kind of prove himself in that – you know, sort of distributor role, right? And, yeah. and sort of, you know, I mean, if he plays behind Werner and Lukaku, I mean, you would think that not only will he be able to set up chances, like like just like credit assist, but I would also think that he'll he'll get some goal scoring chances himself, right? Because he's going to have a lot more freedom if those players are are kind of taking up the attention of the the, yeah. the defense. And so, the whole I mean, William Wallace argument, yeah, exactly. You know, so it's I think you know, we could have, yeah. I mean, I think. uh 
I don't know. I, I think we Mason Braveheart Mount could finally uh, could finally emerge. Uh, but at seven point four million, and he, like nobody owns him, I think that he's at least somebody to to think about, like a little under the radar. Like it could be a real like high risk, high reward kind of plunge to to bring him in on a wild card right now. Yeah. I think that could be, especially because like I mean, there was a question a bunch of people asked questions about about Greenwood replacements, Jota replacements. Um, and, you know, I think that Mason Mount actually might be a player that I would throw into that category. I'd throw him in there and I'd throw all of the Arsenal mids that we'd mentioned. I, I'm higher on Ainsley Maitland-Niles than you are. Ainsley Maitland-Niles. I, I was going to no, say, okay, no, let, you know, yeah. I'll let you have that one. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, you know, I, I just, I'm in love with uh, with the um, the three named players, Brandon. And so, no, Emile Smith-Rowe, of course. I, I I just think that Emile Smith-Rowe is the yeah. one that I would want. Yeah. If only because at 5.4 million, you're just, I, I think you're getting the potential for some great value and some kind of breakout play from him. Yeah, I think people want are, are are looking to make Harvey Barnes a thing again. Uh, he's just got one assist on the season across seven starts. It's just really not happening. And I think Vardy has papered over so many cracks in that Leicester team who have really had a poor start to the season, all things considered. So I'm just not into Barnes. I I I I I think Ben Rama still has he still has much to give, and I would put him in that Mason Mount category where he is a player who definitely benefits from uh space opening up for him so if the team is in good form i think ben rama will benefit if the team is struggling or are coming up against a bad run of fixtures then i think ben rama is is pretty disposable so i'm curious to see what kind of momentum he can keep throughout the course of the season because still one yeah. of the best players in that West Ham team. Oh, totally. And a great price point too. I mean, I, 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 I'm with you there. You know, again, we, we, we've run into the problem of not talking about Man City players uh, very much. And, uh, well, we just talked about their defenders for, uh, well, yeah, but I mean, when, when it comes to midfielders, right. I mean, okay, you have, yeah. yeah, Phil Foden, who you noted earlier, looked incredible away to yeah. Liverpool. I don't really see why he wouldn't be getting some pretty serious minutes moving forward. Um, they kind of need, like a little more attacking thrust in that, in that squad. Right. I mean, the one of the one issue they've had so far is just they, you know, I mean, early on it was, it was, wasn't as much of a problem, but I mean, you look at their last four matches, right. Uh, away to Leicester, one nil win Southampton, nil, nil way to Chelsea, one nil yeah. way to Liverpool, two goals. One of them being from Foden. Um, and, you know, it feels like they, they kind of, they're in, they're in the need of some players that are just going to like attack the box. And that is certainly yeah. something that Phil Foden has in this game. Now he can do kind of everything because he's such a good player, right? He could play in the David Silva role, play a little deeper. It's funny because I've always kind of heard him described that way, or at least that was how I thought he, the player he was going to be. But I feel like I've never really seen him in that like playmaker role. It feels like I think the idea the, was, yeah. uh, everyone thought the only reason that Foden wasn't starting was because there was no st- opening in the starting 11 and uh david silva leaving might op- open up that spot so i think people were just sort of like thinking i'll well, just slot him in there but i see him seemingly most impactful on the left and is that a problem with the jack grealish experiment and i think the one thing that we haven't seen from grealish is he's just not a killer like most of the other attackers on city are yeah. and Foden is a killer. Like if he 
gets the ball. He is looking to um, just slice up the defenders. Yeah. It's a really graphic imagery I'm putting out there, but, but. <laughs> slice up. Yeah. But I mean, I think I mean, maybe that allows Grealish. This is like, we're kind of getting away from fantasy here for a second, but it does allow Grealish to move into more of that David Silva role possibly, which I think could really suit him well. I mean, Grealish is a great playmaker. I mean, you know, yeah. we, we saw that a lot uh, with, with Villa last season and, you know, we saw him score more goals because he, because he had to, right. There was yeah. an onus on him, but I mean, this guy is not goal crazy. I and mean, this is, you know, he was not even on pens last year. Right. And certainly he could have, he could have demanded that if he mm-hmm. wanted it. Right. Um, so I think that, yeah, I think, I mean, Sterling, I guess, is the one player who seems like he's just going to get totally left out here, right? Like, I, I don't know. I mean, he's only he, got, what, two starts in the season? It's crazy. He's going to be that Newcastle marquee signing you were talking about, Josh. I think God, that Sterling. is so, that is so believable. They get, <laughs> I, you, they, like, that is so, like, you heard it from your lips, Brandon, to, to Saudi Arabia's ears. I, I really could see, I could see that happening. Um, all right. So let's, let's, well, let me, I just, just, yeah. just real quick mm-hmm. on Foden though, Josh, I think I, as a word of encouragement to wild carders out there, I don't want to scare anybody off of Foden because he, he moves so easily to other midfielders in this price back bracket that we've kind of been sprinkling throughout this conversation. So I, I just don't think there's while there is inherent risk in picking Foden and or, or any um, Pep attacker due to rotation. I just think that the risk is um, is offset by how quickly you can move to another completely wonderful midfielder in your fantasy team. Yeah, yeah, I think that's uh, yeah. What is he seven point nine right now? I think, yeah, I think like that's that. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, let's do a couple more wild card questions, and then we're gonna. We're going to move on. <laughs> just now we'll cut up. Um, so we've talked, in fact, let's just do, uh, let's do two more. Uh, well, actually, no, we even talked, we've talked about big at the back already. I mean, I think you and I are both advocates for that for now. I mean, I, I am not traditionally, neither of us are huge yeah. pro big at the back, but I, I don't, I, if you're on a wild card right now and it just feels very, even if you only had one, like two Chelsea defenders and one Man City defender. I think you, if you throw Ben White in there too, it just feels like there's a lot of times yeah. when four three three or four uh, four four two possibly are, are very viable. Yeah. Um, so the final question here then is from Andy G, the golf pro, and he says, "Long time supporter of the pod, Brandon." He says, "Who are your fun wild card picks? Who's a fun wild card pick?" I guess I guess that's where I ultimately landed on Bukayo Saka. Uh, mm-hmm. It was because of the fun factor. I think we. Did you have fun last weekend? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not the first time I've had Saka and and gotten absolutely <laughs> nothing from him. But um, God, he is such a fun player to watch. We, I, he's he's in that Foden category yeah. of um, just. Uh, it, it, you're 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 just as excited for what's to come from these players as what you're watching on the field at, in that very moment, uh, and and a and a player who you know his his ownership is like actually way higher than I would have thought at eleven point three percent, but I think that's down to his price point. So I think that I, I was looking for fun players uh, in the margins that I could you know I, if I needed to shed them. It wouldn't be uh, a huge loss. I had a wild card draft with Kai Havertz in it, and I, uh, through um, some discussions with friends and also just some rational thinking, uh, thought better of it and didn't go with Havertz as my fun pick. That would have yep. been an even less fun time in game week seven than having Saka. Um, but I, yeah, I'm. I am. I feel like in your wild card, you're 
doing it wrong if you don't have one player that is just totally for you. Yeah, I think I think I'm with you there. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to remember who I even had. I, I uh, let me let me go back real quick. I'm going to go look, look at game week five, which is when I played my wild card and see if I had one player that that was kind of a fun for me player. I mean, I think I actually think Sar and so well, I had I had Gabriel Jesus. So that that was that was the fun player. Although I do I I I can defend that one strategically. I think sure yeah. Um, I was just a week too week too early because he did score away to Chelsea the next week. But but I think it was Sar. Sar was the one who yeah. um I just. I, you know, it was, you could certainly make an argument for not getting him. I, I brought him on the back of three consecutive blanks, uh, but he was, you know, a total stats favorite. I mean, fun to me is like, it's, it's, it's not like I like, I saw an interview and I think they're cool, but it's like, it's fun because like, there's some, it's a combination of fixtures and stats and low ownership. Right. And they all kind of click together. And so I think Mason Mount might fall into that category. Yeah. Just a total punt, but um, I mean, I, I guess you'd want to probably see him train this week and, but I, I just think there's like a real natural fit for him and that, and that lineup. And so I, I think that he he will get some pretty serious minutes. I wonder if Hakeem Ziyech will ever get minutes again, or if that's just like a, like a experiment that it just seems like a bad buy. He just yeah. doesn't fit. Uh, I think anytime he's been in the squad since Tuchel took over, it's just not been right. Yeah. One ninety eight total minutes. The first seven weeks of the season. All right. Uh, I had a couple, you know, we often focus on the top six, Brandon, but that yeah. doesn't seem very MFFA to me. So I had a couple here from some uh, different clubs. All right. We're going to run through these real fast, yeah. light round style. Naruto Uzumaki says, is it worth getting both Embuemo and Tony on a wild card just because of the turn of fixtures for Brentford? Has the Brentford attack shown enough? And just for context here, again, if we use our, our four-week block uh, thought process. They play Chelsea, Leicester, Burnley, Norwich. Doesn't seem that good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I think I think we've definitely been charmed by Brentford in the open opening seven weeks, and and that's good. And I think they're they're gonna do all right this season. But yeah, Tony's uh, your boy. You got Tony you got, is, couple, you got a couple of your boys in your squad actually. You got you got Sanchez. You kept for sentimental reasons. You got Tony. <laughs> yeah, Ben Rama. This is the this is the Brandon's my boy eleven yeah. uh, that I've got roll, rolling out here. <laughs> um, I mean, to, Tony to me is is the FPL pick if you're looking at Tony or in Bumo and uh, to have the double up. I don't think it's insane just per what I was just saying about, uh, you know, there, there is kind of low risk in that mid-price midfielder bracket because there are yeah. so many options in the yep. mid, mid-price area. And just setting a, a level of expectations for these players where they're not going to return every week. I mean, Foden, you're kind of hoping that Foden is the one that does return every week. The risk there is that he probably won't start every week for better or worse. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I don't hate the double up, but if you had to choose, I think it's Ivan Tony all the way. Yeah, I'm with but you But I, I think I, yeah. is, would the point you would be making is that just Brentford even though they've there's they've had a couple of matches in which they've scored three goals they just aren't going to score that much this season I think that's part of it I, I don't think their fixture run is that great and I just think that there are I mean we haven't talked about Decore at all I mean I love Decore as a as a uh, yeah, I guess he's up to 5.7 million now but Decore is kind of a unshackled like 
we, we swore we'd never say his name again in this pod, Brandon, but it's it's going to happen again. A Yaya Torre level mm-hmm. of uh, of free ranging, you know, midfielder, mm-hmm. um, and he's just having an awesome season. And uh, he's two goals and four assists already. I think I think they're going to keep coming. If you wanted to go with the with the kind of more advanced player, that I think Damari Gray at five point eight is also a great option. Um, he's has you know three goals and one assist in the season. He's played really well too, and he even away to Man United he had a couple of chances. Um, I, I was watching that match as a, as a gray owner. So you know how it is when you're watching yeah. a, a tricky he, away match. It's like every yeah. touch you're, you're watching. He created the goal that fantasy-wise was credited to Decore and to Townsend. Yep. So he's, he yep. is having a great season. Yeah, if it were NHL, he would have gotten the assist there. You know, in mm-hmm. NHL, you can award multiple assists on a goal. They're doing it better in Canada, that's for sure. <laughs> Everything's better in Canada. Yeah, I think that um, the, yeah. So again, you have you have the Everton players, you have the Arsenal players that we talked about already. You got my boy Mason Mount. Uh, granted, he's more expensive than Mbouma, but um, I, I just think there's there's there are enough players in that sub six million bracket that I like more than him. He is really only it really have one goal in the season so far too. I mean, it's it's not like he's you know just been just you know I know I know he's yeah. he's another stats favorite and and he's somebody that that you actually has, he has two he has two in his last three. So I'll, I'll give him. You know, credit where it's due there. But I, I feel like, again, the double up seems a little aggressive to me um, for a promoted team. Doubling up on a promoted team in general, I think, is is, is not a um, – tends not to be the smartest move, unless we're talking about like 4 million defenders or something like that. All right, a couple more questions. Uh, one comes from Alpha FPL. He says uh, – he asks about Crystal Palace attacking players. So they've got a good run of fixtures between game week 9 and 14. Out of our window, Brandon, but I'm going to allow it. it. Says Zaha is the most obvious, but Gallagher and uh, Olis look good. Yeah, we haven't talked about Connor Gallagher, another player in that sub six million bracket who has really played. He's so aggressive. I love I love the aggression of Connor Gallagher. He's a very fun player to watch when you don't have him in your in your squad. You remember when Loftus Cheek went on loan to Crystal Palace, and he was just absolutely. This is Ruben. Ruben yeah, 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 Ruby. You know, yeah. Ru- uh, yeah. Ruby Soho, as we used to call him. Uh, <laughs> and uh, a great rancid song just became a great attacking midfielder in the Premier League. Um, and I mean, I don't. I love. It's like people love going on loan to Crystal Palace, Chelsea midfielders, for for that matter. Yep. And I mean, Ruben Loftus Cheek does not love going on loan to Fulham. Uh, that's for sure. But anyway, didn't work. Yeah, Connor Gallagher is the dude. Like, pick him. This Olise guy. I mean, uh, was his name Edward the week before? No, no, thank you. Not interested. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I don't, I mean, I, I just, I, I will, you know, um, I, I don't know if we're supposed to pretend in this podcast that we have strong opinions on every single player in the <laughs> Premier League, but I don't have one yet on Michael Elise. I, I hope to form one soon, but Connor Gallagher, I've got, I feel very positive about, and he's, he's really tech and he gets in the box too. So, um, yeah, I think I, I'm feeling, it's just, I mean, they're an interesting squad palace right they feel like a, they're kind of like a mess but in a fun way it's kind yeah. of, it's, it, honestly I, I they're sort of like playing out exactly how i hoped they would yeah. right which is that they would like they'd cast off all of these old players and it wouldn't and it wouldn't totally crush them like they wouldn't like just they wouldn't be like on one point or something and they've they've kind of scrapped out some some results and so i think it's kind of like I, i'm pulling for this team like i want them to do well and so i i'm all about having i mean you talk about like having like fun players i think that having uh, having a palace player like Edward or, or possibly, um, um, 
uh, was it Mark Mark uh, Gehi? Uh, I thought I think he's played really well so far this season. He, you know, only two clean sheets to show for it so far, but it feels like he's one of those players. Yeah. He's, he's like often in the bonus points, or or would be if they were able to keep a clean sheet to match. And I think even you know, Gaeta too. I mean, he's only four point five million. I think that he's. He's another player. If you ever need a, a Sanchez replacement, I think Brandon, you could look. You could look at him. Oh my God! <laughs> do you love to have the Mendy Guaita double up? <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, I think that's enough on Palace. Final, final team. Uh, Golden Knight Chris says Brighton have two tough fixtures coming up. Where they play, uh, I think it's Liverpool and Man City back to back. And in some order, uh, but 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 look a good long term bet with Mape, Trossard, Cucurella. They could all fit in your team at decent price points too. Thoughts on a Brighton triple up? Triples is best. Not, <laughs> triples is best. Um, Not even double. Going right from <laughs> right from double to triple. Shot over double. I mean, this Cucurella guy. What a look! I'm really into his look. Um, but I, I actually, I, I think. Mape is one of those players that like he's I don't know if it's even good in theory like it's always a good idea when somebody mentions Mape at the bar you're sort of like okay let's talk about this Um, but in practice it never quite works and just just for funsies Josh uh, I brought up a stats comparison between my boy Ivan Tony and Neil Mape and even though Mape has four goals on the season and Tony just two. Tony is absolutely smashing Mape on all meaningful stats. Okay, yeah. X, XG Tony's on one point nine versus Mape's two point seven. But if you look at uh, XG goal involvement, XGI, that's close to four for Tony yeah. and and three for Mape. Just you look tons- at the ICT too, Brandon. Oh yeah, that, that uh, tells Tony, all. Ivan Tony is eighth in the ICT index. Guess where Mape is. Uh, uh, 10th? It is 10th. Wow. Well done. It's 10th. He's, it's incredible. He is, he is, so he's two better, right? So there you go. Yeah. But so yeah. Tony's, Tony's XA is incredible. I think Mape's issue is that, uh, he's just, he's finishing and that when it works, it works. That's great. Yeah. Um, but when it doesn't work, you're yeah. basically getting nothing from him. And I think the same yeah. goes for most Brighton attackers. That has been Brighton's Achilles heel is that when the attack just isn't working, it's just so muted. Yeah, I mean, the problem is right now we're really talking about one slot, right? Because like, like you'd be like, oh, why not both? But but realistically, Antonio to me is undroppable, uh, given given his form, given his value. Me, we're talking, I mean, you know, basically fixture proof as far as I'm concerned, and uh, I mean, given given that he's a sub eight million forward and yeah. got five goals and four assists in the season already, it looks dangerous in every match. Um, the run of fixtures ahead is not great, but uh, to me, he's, and he's also, his ownership is crazy high. So if he does anything, like if he just gets on the pitch, you're losing points. And so <laughs> you, you know, he's, it just behooves you to have him in his squad. And then you have a slot that, um, that really should be Lukaku or Ronaldo, I think just given, um, uh, you know, how, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe we'll, we'll reevaluate that in a couple of weeks. They, they didn't have a great end to the the last four week block, but I, I, I hold out hope that that's going to be redeemed. Yeah. And then the third spot could either be Ronaldo as well. You know, one of those two, if you want to, if you want to be doubled up or it could be Jimenez, it could be any number of players. And so that's, that's, I think where Mape suffers is that, or Tony for that matter, you know, where you just sort of, there are too many other players that you want more than, than Mape. I think that's really the problem. And then, yeah, defensively, it just, I don't know. I mean, 
I, 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 I don't know what to say. I mean, the, the numbers always make Brighton look like one of the strongest defensive teams. And then it feels, I mean, I don't know, in the three clean sheets and seven. I mean, I suppose I really can't complain about it. And maybe I'm just, it's just, it's just the Sanchez thing is so frustrating because he just does not get saves. And yeah. so it's like sort of maddening for my. Or he only gets two, which points. is kind of crazy. Yeah. To get yeah. just two in multiple matches is beyond frustrating. Well, the most fantasy thing ever, right, was for him to finally get a bonus point in a one, one draw where he got a yellow card. Like, how does that happen? After the final whistle. So classic. Yeah. So just weird. I know I saw somebody tweet. It was like, it's like he knew, he knew he was about to be on more than two points, you know? (laughs) So, all right. Well, that's, so I think one, one Brighton, let's, let's stay with singles is best when it comes Mm -hmm. to Brighton at the time Mm -hmm. being. Let's take a quick break and we're going to wrap up this pod by taking a quick look at game week eight and captain decisions. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Alright, Brendan. Game Week 8 kicks off on Saturday. Watford, Liverpool... We have, I suppose, three viable captain options. Let's let's you know, we'll throw Ronaldo in there. So we've got Liverpool uh, hosting or Watford hosting Liverpool with a new manager. You have uh, Man United playing at Leicester. Leicester have been pretty shaky defensively, and you have Chelsea playing Brentford. Now Brentford have been decent at home, but still we're talking about Chelsea, arguably the best team in the Premier League, playing one of the promoted clubs. That is certainly a chance to captain. Their their forward, so what would be the argument for not going with Mo Salah? Uh, to, well, to reframe it, you know. Yeah, I, I suppose the only argument is that it's the first fixture of the uh, it's the first fixture of the game week, and also it's a f- fixture returning from the international break. Maybe you want a player who plays Sunday was one more day with their club before they have to take the pitch so then right. that would augur well for i guess Ant- antonio which doesn't right. feel great when all the marquee captain picks are around saturday um yeah. but uh, yeah i okay so that's my argument for going not 
Sala, which is like the most deeply uncompelling argument I think I've made in the last hour or so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it just feels like one of those ones where you could sort of like be like, Oh, I want to be uh, different, you know, and I want to, um, like, like, I don't want to do what everybody else is doing and not go for Masala. But I mean, we're just talking about Watford who've conceded a lot of goals this season, probably still going to be Ben Foster as the keeper. One would think, I mean, we'll, you know, we'll see what, 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 what's happening yeah. there with Bachman. Um, and so, Salah yeah. has traveled with Egypt, just so everyone knows, and so you know, just just so you have all that information. Yep, yep, yeah, no, no, yeah, and they, and they play again. I think tomorrow we're recording on Sunday nights. So they do play tomorrow, so um, I think uh, Ronaldo. I mean, I, I think that he um, is just always a decent option, but it's just hard to it's hard to argue for him over 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 Salah. And then I think you know, in some ways, the the Lukaku one would be the strongest if he trains all this week although who knows now right like i mean if he's got this muscle fatigue and it sounds like he was actually going to go back to belgium for a little while before he returned to chelsea so it's not like he's just going to be on the ground and pick up the mail yeah he's going to pick up his mail so you know we'll see i mean i i expect to see him training this week if he doesn't train it's an awful spot to be in because they play norwich in game week nine and you just can't drop them so you're just going to put 12 million 12 million pounds of player on your bench, which is never, <laughs> never fun. Yeah. And Brentford, as, as we, as we've been saying throughout, they have been uh, difficult at home. Chelsea have struggled for goals. I, I just wonder with the international break has Tuchel like been in his laboratory this whole time. And like if yeah. any manager can come out of a week off with a plan to actually create opportunities for his team, it's him. Yeah. Um, but I think I'm using that as a lever for game week nine and that Norwich fixture. I'm just really not that cap uh, bothered by captaining Lukaku. Um, I, I, I just, I will say Captain Mo Salah. That feels like an easy decision for me this week. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, some some weeks it's. Uh, I, th- I think with with these three, I think um, some weeks it's going to be really tricky, um, depending on who you've got in your you know in your squad. But I think this this is a week where it feels simpler. How about to be different? Uh, uh, we've talked a lot about how Manchester City defense is the bee's knees. They are home hosting an awful Burnley side. Yeah, uh, Cancelo, if it looks like he's going to start, or even Ruben right. Diaz is a very safe captaincy pick. So that's uh, that's the that's a low ceiling, I think, yeah. is the problem I think there. That's a f- yeah, yeah. Although maybe I mean Cancelo could certainly get like a put up a twelve spot, right? Yeah. Like that, that. Yeah, I think you're right. That, that's a that's a really. Um, in fact, I think it would be reasonable in your situation to vice captain Cancelo in your squad like that yeah. would actually make make sense i think uh maybe well the, the problem always with the with the pep defender is like they could possibly not start i guess that's the you know it's like you must it's like you want to captain him or not vice captain him because uh just in case in case they don't play at all <laughs> yeah, right, right 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 yeah um all right what about transfers what are you looking at doing or not doing this week what's your what are your thoughts there so on the wild card going into seven i left enough money in my bank to get trent alexander arnold back so if i were to make any move uh it would be to get trent in uh for who though and i think if i were to bring trent in it would be for one of my city defenders so this just doesn't feel Makes like sense. the yeah. week to do it and i think We'll probably have more certainty closer to the deadline, what uh, Trent's fitness looks like and how likely he'll be to play in that Watford match and 
think if 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 he is fit to play, uh, I think he's a player you want in your FPL team anytime that he's he's playing for Liverpool. So I think what I may likely do is without any real fires to put out is roll my transfer as is my want, Josh, and mm-hmm. um, look to get a Trent in in game week eight and then have an extra transfer to fix any problems that might arise in game week eight for me. So it's a pretty quiet week for me, it feels like. Yeah, I hope it's quiet for me too, but it requires... Reese James and Lukaku to be healthy. I really want to get James out of my squad as soon as possible. Um, I think it's it's really I'm not um, feeling very anxious about having him in there. Yeah. Um, the the flash like wing back just never like a player I really want in my squad for very long. Um, just like I mean, uh, you know, it's like a, he's he's the defensive. I think I said this in the last pod. I'll just repeat it again. But he's the defensive version of Ferran Torres, right? Like yeah. one, he has one big match the entire season and. Yeah, it just bothers me that he's in my, my squad because it's just, it's just <laughs> taking up a valuable spot for another defender. And so, would yeah, you so look I, to get him out this week? Well, it's not, yeah. I mean, if he was injured, like he, if he's still not back, then I probably would. The problem is, I don't actually have enough to go to a six million, um, to go to a six million, um, defender. And so, I like, like, like a Man City defender. So, oh, I, I would see. have to yeah. really decide what I wanted to do there. I could consider possibly moving to Christensen, although I hate how lateral that is, right? Like yeah. that, that is something I could consider because if, if Tiago Silva is not playing, then I would think, and Christensen didn't start the last in game seven either. It feels like, but he feels like he's close to first choice. So that, that could be a move that I would consider. Um, yeah, I don't really know. I mean, I think I, I really am like a little worried about, possibly having to burn four again, which I would hate to do. I actually don't think I would do it. It would take a lot for me to burn yeah. four this week. Um, but, you know, I mean, look at my squad. I've got I've got Reese James. Um, I've got Rafinha. There's at least a chance he doesn't play. I've got Lukaku. Some issues there. I think everything else is probably pretty safe. But well, Rudiger, I guess, too, right, if he's got a back problem. So that, that could, in theory, be four players who don't play this weekend. Um, my bench is fine. Um, I mean, I have Marsal who I could bring in away to Villa. That seems fine. Yeah. Um, Mento home to Leeds. I mean, if it's a Leeds without Rafinha or Bamford, then I feel okay starting Mento there. For Is sure. it even Leeds at that point, Josh? Is it even Leeds? Exactly. So, um, so yeah, I think, I think I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling okay about my squad this weekend. Uh, but it feels like a little bit of like a, a treading water game week. Ahead. How are you I, feeling you know, about, how are you feeling about Trent, uh, not having him either at this juncture? Fine, honestly, yeah. I, you know, I, I feel fine with it. It feels like you can you can kind of get the same returns from Cancelo, and um, um, I don't know. It's just like it's it's just a lot of money for yeah. for a defender. You basically need returns like all the time, like just constantly to to, to justify it. And so, which he was providing, which he was providing. That's true. I I don't know. It feel it, it feels like. Um, I don't know. It feels like he's still not quite the same player he was a couple of years ago. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, and like, he just like is capable of like some pretty calamitous defending too. And so you just kind of worry that eventually that's going to turn into some, some more clean sheets conceded than they've, than they've conceded so far this season. 
Potentially. Yeah, I'm curious. I feel like uh, not having Trent, I can talk myself into all sorts of things. And I just feel like I want him, I want him back. I really do. Um, oh, me, me too. Eventually, for sure. I mean, I, yeah. I, this is not a season long thing, but just over the next three or four weeks, it doesn't seem like, oh, this is, I've got to like move heaven and earth to bring him yeah, back. Yeah. And, and I think that's true. And I think that's a good thing to underline for the listeners is um, don't feel like you need to break your team going into this game week if you see Trent in the Liverpool Instagram uh, and, and I think there are going to be those weeks where you just kind of have to uh, suck it up and and you know yeah. maybe if, if if Trent has one of those matches maybe you lose 10, 10 points on that week but that just makes it a priority for you to move on him the following week and that's fine yeah it's a weird I, I feel like I'm in a weird spot with my, my squad right now I I just don't know. I, I feel like I, I might, I need to make more changes and I, it's like, I need to like, I need to like get a handle on it a little bit. I, that, that minus eight going so bad, like sort of like, I don't know. It's, it's funny. Like you wouldn't think this is like true of like a fantasy like manager, but like, I actually feel like my like confidence like got like mm. a little rocked, you sure. know? Um, and so I have to, you're like, a confidence player, Josh. I am a little bit of a confidence player. And so I feel like I'm not, um, I would really like to not burn a transfer if I can to give myself two transfers to really rethink things a little bit. And I feel like right now I don't want to be in a position where I'm just making transfers that are just kind of lateral that I'm just chasing points. Like I want yeah. to kind of think a little bit about the next few weeks. And I think the big question for me, which I'm not going to answer this week, um, but I think we'll have to get answered soon is do I continue with Ronaldo? And um, yeah. cause I've got Ronaldo and Lukaku up front right now. And I think that could be fantastic. Right. I mean, like captain or not, like those are players that are capable of very big returns, you know, big matches. Uh, But it's also a a ton of money. Right. And if I just if I just move Ronaldo down to Raul Jimenez, then I could have five premium defenders in the back. Right. Like uh, suddenly like bringing Trent back in is no problem at all. So um, that is that is something that I I am going to have to think about at some point in the next week or two. This Leicester Manchester United match uh, in the middle of Saturday is really going to be one of the more fascinating matches this week. I think just yeah. to see because both of these teams need to prove things for different reasons. Leicester just need to prove that they're not tanking this season, and yeah. and uh, Ole needs to prove that he's got some some control over this squad. So you know, and it's Manchester United haven't lost a game away from home with Bruno in the squad, I think is something that I heard. Is that right? Uh, this weekend. Wow. That's wow. right. Interesting. Um, in the, in yeah. the premier league anyway. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is a team that have, um, you know, uh, when, when things are looking like a little bit rough for them, they have rebounded and, and beaten some, some of the top squats, right? Like this is like a, this is the one thing that Ole really can, can say, right. Is that he's been yeah. some, some big clubs at man. Yeah. It's a, so we'll see. Um, but that's, that's, well, well uh, you know, but again, this is why I feel like I'm a little unsure about what to do. And so I'd prefer not to do anything um, instead. Like if I had just not taken a minus eight last week, I'd be in a much better position than I'm in now. Right. And so that's, that's something that like you have to really think about. It's like, if you're, if you're going to go like totally nuts, um, you, you want to make sure that you really set yourself up long term. <laughs> and I mean, it would have all been okay if I, if there hadn't been so many additional injuries. Yeah. And I think that's just, you know, I, I've been a little hit by the injury bugs over the season, but overall, my overall rank is still very good. I mean, I'm talking like I'm like sinking, but of course I'm like 60 K overall. I think it's just, I just, I just want to hold on and I don't want to like, I don't want to like lose my head a little bit or something. So anyway, I think let's end on that note, that rambling note for me. Uh, one more reminder 
patreon.com slash always cheating is where you can go to support the pod, support the cheaters, talk with us all week, use the Ask Josh and Brandon forum to ask us questions, um, do all kinds of other stuff. There's a U.S. men's national team channel on there, lots of other channels as well. Um, and uh, Brandon, do you want to thank our producer patrons? Yeah, big thanks to our producers who uh, do a lot of heavy lifting around here. Thanks to Mike DiPietro, Trevor Ingerson, Chris Howell, Andy Penn, Martin Savage, Brian T, The Big Gaffer, Bob Coon, Jeff Husby, Ben Grant, James Holland, Dave Wagner, Lodal, Nick Wright, Jim Payne, Brian Chin, Blair Jacobson, Travis West, Victor Farberg, Skogang, Paul Herzig, Andy Portlock, Toothless Gibbon, Lindsey Rostel, Anton Markov at FPL Merch, Carrie Swanson, Kieran Screeton, Francis Mann, Chris Carter, Bruno Stew, Mikey Uwang, Bruce Kirsch, Sam Shower, Rich Evans, Future Media Group, FPL, Ben Sweeney, George Kinney, Shiv Marjoria, Ron Frosk, AJ, Jeremy Spiker, Lazarus Yanois. Jesse Halstead, Matthew Becker, Caleb Robbie, Todd Byerly, Alper Paxoy, Martin Ospeth, Lee Hickman, Valger Paulson Kruger, Jazz Binning, Francis Moore, Managed by Lasso. Josh, did you watch the Ted Lasso series premiere? Series finale, I should say. I did. I thought they redeemed some some things that I didn't love about the, the season. Uh, yeah, the, the football is life moment was was a peak for me. That was tremendous. Yeah. Oh, the Nate stuff was great, too. Yeah, that, that's oh, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. to see him yeah. as, as basically that, the new David Moyes. Is, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Let's not, let's not spoil anything for anyone who hasn't watched so far. I think <laughs> he that, turns that, that's, tur- a, that's an obscure enough like remark that I don't think it gives anything away. I hope so. so. Yeah, I hope yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, and last but not least, big thanks to producer Jay. James Keatley, rate review. Uh, is Keatley sounds a lot like Keatley. Lots of Ted Lasso references in this <laughs> producer list. Uh, rate, review, subscribe to Always Cheating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get fine podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Hell Cheaters and wherever else it is that you get social media. Email us here, hellcheaters at gmail.com. For this, more, including our online gift shop, visit alwayscheating.com. And to that, Josh, I say Poku forever. Hail cheaters. Good luck next weekend. Bye.